Welcome back to the choir room. We are getting there. The end of season four. It is time to kill the lights. It's lights out. Episode number 20 of season four. We have a special guest today. We will get to him in a minute. But first, Aman, how are you today? Can you guys hear me? I think my power went out. I'm not sure if this is recording, but if you can, (laughs) I'm super... Can you just let me get through the corny-ass joke before the corny-ass laughter? Anyway, I am excited to be back here to talk about Lights Out. As Matt said, episode 20, we only got two left. And then we only got two seasons left. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We'll be okay. Um, yeah, we have um, an okay episode for today. We're, we're getting to a weird part of season four where um, as much as like yeah. all the praise that we put on season four, I'm starting like we've already covered this in the past couple episodes, how it's been getting weird. But like a lot of this, not just as not just as weird, but like stuff that I'm having a hard time remembering. I'm like, I have seen this before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much of it that I'm forgetting. So um, it's been fun to uh, refresh things and, you know, keep the timeline going in uh, in a good order without, uh, without stalling anymore. Let me get to our guest for today it is the wonderful talented online reality game hosting professional sam loveridge is with us today sam how are you doing i'm great i'm here for the synth and only the synth okay <laughs> uh yeah let's get into uh let's get into your backstory on glee sam because this kind of came out of nowhere the fact that you recently restarted watching the show and uh, we were getting into right before we came on the story of how you decided to go about this, which is very, very different from any stories that we're used to hearing. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I got into it because I saw you guys talking about it all the time. And of course, we're in quarantine, so we need something to watch right now. Um, But I decided to like skip the one one through three on on my watch through because every time I rewatch Glee, I just watch one through three and I just ignore the last half so i wanted to see how the last half stood on its own so i actually started my rewatch on season four which has been a wild experience completely i'm like really appreciating it a lot more that's like i don't know i don't know that i would have ever recommended that kind of style to somebody else but if it works it works uh if it you know like if you know what happened in seasons one two and three and this is the part of the show that i think a lot of people you know whether they stopped watching or whether they just don't have fond memories of it i think that i mean maybe that's a really good move especially like you said you're appreciating it more so i don't know i'm on i guess we uh we, we need to start recommending this kind of style to some of the people in our mentions yeah, it's something that I never really thought about. I don't know if it would ever work for me because of the fact that I've seen, I've rewatched Glee at least three times throughout the past 10 years that it's been in existence. So I feel like even if I were to start at season four, I would just automatically have seasons one through three downloaded in my brain. But for someone who hasn't necessarily seen the seasons that much, or at least one time through the first time they aired and decided to go back and start with four, I really wonder how that would change your viewing experience because it, we talk about so much about like how some of the continuity with Glee is so is just in disarray. So with just starting at season four and then allowing yourself to sort of like fall in love with these 
new new directions without the baggage of the old ones i wonder if it improves the quality of season four in a way or is it sort of just like meh because there is still like continuation in terms of rachel's story but in the, in the, in the same respect rachel kind of starts anew in nyc as well so i don't know as a standalone season it might actually be a little bit better yeah it's been nice like i i find that i'm appreciating the new the new new directions i guess a little bit more and mm-hmm. their characters but, like, of course, I still know the backstories because I was a warbler stand through and through. <laughs> so it's just kind of nice without the baggage of the past characters to be, like, comparing them constantly in one large continuous rewatch. Okay, so, like, go more into this warbler obsession. Oh, yo, listen, like, <laughs> I love the warblers growing up. I owned warbler t-shirts. I knew all the actors by name. Oh, I still wow. follow most of them on Instagram. Like, it was sad. Like, it would be to the point where I'd watch, like, a new episode and I'd be like wow, they didn't, um, they didn't put Hunter in the Warblers this time. I wonder why. <laughs> like, it's so bad. <laughs> have you been, like, watching on TikTok all of the... Uh, there's been a couple of Warblers and Cheerios that have been emerging on TikTok lately. Like, hey, I was a Warbler on Glee. Here's a story of how things worked on set, and that's my story. Yeah, well, one of them, I always found it cool, was, like, Riker Lynch, which is Ross Lynch's um, older brother, who's mm-hmm. in, like... Uh, Sabrina and all that and then Disney he's best stuff. friends with Kurt Mega who's one of the TikTokers Kurt Mega is one of the TikTokers I don't know if I've seen him yeah he is oh okay. he knows um, like, trust yeah. Sam on this one he knows I <laughs> know I trust you uh yeah they've been popping that's up my, all over uh, my, my husband <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, yeah, no, seriously, like ever since, uh, the past couple of weeks or I don't know, maybe like a month and change now, my entire TikTok feed has become, uh, like 90% Glee and I'm, I'm not upset about it, but like it has taken over. Like now it's like song rankings and like people are like, here's my top 10 Santana songs, like number one. And I don't know. I'm just like, it's a lot. Um, and then they like, they also like to do this thing where some of them will like go into a scene. They're like, I can't believe this scene was on Glee. And I'm like, okay, you're the 300th person to show me a clip of Artie rolling into the pool like it's not gonna be as funny (laughs) after we watched this many times but whatever so as a big warblers fan how did you feel about the warblers cheating to win sectionals and then getting disqualified were you here for the warblers content in general or were you like oh no how could they do this to me it hurts my heart i mean it especially hurts my heart to see sebastian like knocked off as the top um especially because i i personally loved his character um, and I love Grant Gustin, and he's who I thought Blaine was gonna end up, you know, with after the Kurt breakup. Um, of course, that didn't happen, and he went on to star in The Flash, and he's living his best life. Um, but I wish, uh, I wish we would have gotten some cool progression with the Warblers as opposed to turning them back into like a two D group. Approximately, how many Warblers would you say that you still follow on social media? Like, like a guess. <laughs> I would guess at least four that i can think of i, was, I thought um, you were dominic say like kurt no <laughs> dominic kurt Riker, and um, <laughs> telly leung who's on broadway i would count darren as well if uh I'm assuming, oh yeah darren i guess darren and you could well it, at that rate you could count chris colfer kurt as well eh, yeah chris eh. colfer i don't know hey once a warbler always a warbler <laughs> Once more, more, except more. when you quit after like uh like two weeks and uh losing a sectionals competition or regionals or whatever it was but then they sent him off they loved him anyway they you know they i know sang a whole number for him and they gave us one of the best performances of all time i'm uh, we'll, we will get into this episode eventually but uh sam do you have like top warbler performances that you want to call out because obviously they are not in this episode 
Um, I'd say my number one all-time Warblers performance. Mm. Ooh, that's hard. Bills, 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 I think. <laughs> that's a good one. That is a good one. I'd say that's number one. Yeah. Ding, chicka ching. It's one that's of really the better Beyonce Ding. performances on Glee, that's for sure. Well, that's not a hard ranking. <laughs> yeah, it's not at all. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, no warblers here in this episode, sadly for Sam, but uh, we will, you know, we'll see them again at some point, especially, especially in season six. Uh, season six, baby. Yes. Season yes. six, which is getting so much closer than it uh, ever seemed to be in the past. But uh, let's relax and focus in here on uh, this episode, number 20, episode number 20 of season four. Uh, we got a blackout going here at McKinley High School. Um, but first, let's set a couple other things up. We'll dive into the episode. And we're going to start off with Ryder Lynn, who is texting Katie. Of course, uh, he and Katie have still not met up yet. She's apparently stood him up twice. Uh, he's asking, like, why are you afraid to meet me? Uh, he's in the in the choir room at this point, and he's looking around. Obviously, he still knows that the person that he was texting like is in the Glee Club because their phone went off during that lockdown. Uh, so he sees Kitty texting. He's, like, aggressively like, Kitty, let me see your phone. Like, let me see your phone. Who are you talking to? Uh, Will's going to walk in and interrupt all of this. He tells the new director that they have a problem on their hands. Frida Romero is a uh, new, like, rising star of the Hooser Daddies. She's the secret weapon that he, like, went by their rehearsal. He saw her singing the Star Spangled Banner, and uh, she was, like, killing it on that, uh, like, hitting every note out of the park. He was like, we need to have something that's going to be able to compare to that, like, something that's huge, like, epic stadium huge. And as he's as he's uh, telling them this, the lights are going to go out, on the choir room and on the entire school Figgins gets on the pa on the, uh, the the PA system somehow which uh, he will explain but uh, the 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 he's on the PA system and he's explaining that this is not an emergency or an excuse to go wild in the hallways classes will continue and if the darkness persists we will distribute candles and flashlights to kids with the highest GPAs um, will <laughs> says all right time to find a new appropriate lesson uh, it is time for unplugged week Amon. I personally am a fan of the two teenagers that were in the hallway as the lights went out that took the opportunity to just ferociously suck face uh, with each other. <laughs> I don't know why Ryder would assume that whoever is texting him back and catfishing him would be bold enough to text in the room with him, but uh, that, I guess that's Ryder Lynch for you. Um, also, I don't know why Mr. Shu is that concerned about Peter Romero. I mean, Jessica Sanchez, we all know, can you know, sing the house down boots, but a bunch of the people that you have in uh, the Glee Club can also do the exact same thing. I mean, you just got Unique, and Unique has yet to have a solo in any of the competitions, so that should be your secret weapon right there. Um, but, you know, anything to raise the stakes before the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sam, are you much of a rider guy? I'm not. I just can't get behind him. I feel like, well... <laughs> I have some big thoughts, but I'm sure we'll get to it with this episode because this is a very much Ryder episode. Yeah. Um, I just think it's real bold for him to call her out right there. Like, Kitty's reaction was totally justified in just, like, snapping back at him. Also, I just love, like, I think my favorite part about this first bit is how annoyed Will looks when he has to change his lesson plan as if he doesn't come up with them on the spot <laughs> literally every time. 
Right. Like somebody will just be talking, having conversation, and he'll be like, there we go. That's the lesson, putting it up on the board. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what he was about to write up there before this, probably just something else toward regionals, um, you know, or, or I don't know, journey again. But, yeah, uh, Unplugged Week is going to uh, now inspire him, which, I mean, also comes with the whole, besides the fact that the lights went out, uh, we are looking around the choir room, seeing everybody on their phones. So that's where this inspiration is going to come from. Uh, we see Ryder in the hallway talking to Jake about how he's been blown off by Katie, like, many times now he's telling her that you, you need to let it go you don't even know her and Ryder's like no but I told her things about myself like I really opened up to her he's like I, I even told her my biggest secret and Jake's like oh what's that I, I thought your biggest secret was the dyslexia thing Ryder says no that's not it but I'm, I, I can't say Jake's like alright fine keep it locked away but you know it's it's not going to go away anytime soon you know you should probably try sharing your deepest darkest, darkest secrets with people that you actually know you know rather than Katie whoever the hell Katie is so uh, Jake you know still trying to help not much progress being made because Ryder doesn't seem to uh, want to do anything with this. We're going to go uh, over to the auditorium and we're going to see Will is uh, saying that we have our first volunteer. And by the auditorium, I mean the choir room. Um, he, he's like, we're going to bring it back to basics and really strip it down. Sam gets up to the front of the room to uh, kick us off with our first unplugged performance. And he talks about how this song inspiration came from, uh, you know, he was thinking about stripping and how, you know, you're drowning out all that extra noise to get to the essence of the song. And uh, he was also saying that he was apparently conceived to this song. His mom told him that. So Sam is going to kick us off here with a performance of You've Lost That Love and Feeling. How do you think? Uh, uh, what do you think of this one, Sam? Uh, because this is Sam. So Sam, Sam. Mm. <laughs> yes. I compared myself vigorously through my teen years to that. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I could think of, like, this entire song was how instantly that probably went on his wiki page. Like, conceived two Righteous Brothers as a trivia <laughs> <Yeah>. fact. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, it was an okay song. I, I felt kind of like arty the whole time um just kind of felt like staring at my phone and not paying attention i honestly that would have been a great day on set they were just like play with your phone for the next eight hours while this <laughs> performance is happening I, I was just thinking about that i wonder like i feel like this episode must have been like a bitch to to film with all of the you know extra lighting measures that they had to take and making sure that everybody was like in the correct spot and everything i mean filming episodes is already painstaking as it is but like having to like go with like a whole lights out theme seems like it probably was a longer process than anticipated so the fact that Artie is sitting there on his phone and i don't even i'm not even convinced that half of that was acting so <laughs> but i um i liked i liked the performance by sam i mean we only get a few this season um, and I think he shines brightest whenever he's just strumming away on the guitar. So it suits him. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to agree with uh, this Sam on the podcast that I, you know, I kind of was also already in the situation, kind of looking down at my phone, checking up on uh, absolutely nothing, but just this performance is a little sleepy. Um, but yeah, not to say he didn't sound good, just, you know, kind of whatever. Um, but yeah, Artie is texting the whole time. Uh, Will's going to call on him to go next. But as Sam referenced earlier in the uh, in the podcast, Artie is not down to do this without his synth. And he bangs his head on the piano. He's like, no, I can't do this. Sam is going to get up. Uh, Sam Evans is going to get up and uh, tell him that he needs to man up. He's like, look, uh, I used to have the power go out all the time. We didn't have this. We didn't have that. I had to entertain my family, you know, with instruments and with with singing to them, despite all that. Like, you don't need this kind of you don't need everything. Uh, he also calls him out and says that he saw him texting. But he's like, it's not just you. It's all of us. We're all so plugged into Twitter and Facebook and this and that. We're not paying attention to the world around us. And I think that's sad. So Sam is uh, bringing some of his, you know, personal 
feelings from, you know, living living a life like this. I mean, he didn't always have stuff to be plugged into, and he's trying to, you know, go along with Will's lesson. It's almost like he is, uh, like... A teacher, like a potential Glee Club teacher or something. I don't know. He's he's really catching on to these uh, these vibes here, and yeah, he's trying to uh, keep this lesson moving along despite Artie trying to tear him down. Amon, he needs his synth, like Sam. He needs his synth. He can't do Miguel without it. He's anti uh, anti acoustics, and I mean, I'm kind of an- well, I'm not anti acoustics, but I certainly have a flair for uh for the synths as well. So. <laughs> I understand Artie's dilemma. I mean, it's it's a bit of a, a strange week here at McKinley. I mean, should the school even be open? Like, I feel like if there's a blackout, it's your school. It should not be open. That's just me. No, I mean, it depends on how long the lights are out. I mean, do you, if you guys have stories of blackouts at your school, you know, feel free to share. I think we definitely had the power go out maybe like once that I remember, but it tends to come back on relatively soon. Or if it's like some kind of terrible storm, then yeah, the school day is probably going to end a little early. Well, I just feel like immediately after the school shooting too like <laughs> the school shooting just happened then the lights go out like i would not want to be at the school yeah that, yeah. yeah i definitely would feel a little i'll be like oh that's it that's it that's it like the moment that something is like not normal anymore i would totally be like okay i gotta go home because <laughs> yeah it's too much yeah i'm surprised will didn't call like screaming for shannon beast to come by like and help him out again because he uh clearly needed the help last time but yeah i mean i guess i guess this is uh you know a little less intense than what was going on there uh with with becky and sue but yeah i mean uh that's that's where we where we are here i guess we can uh hop over to new york and check out what's going on with santana and kurt and rachel santana is gonna walk into their apartment dragging in this like broken down ripped apart chair that she found by a dumpster uh kurt and rachel ask her to take a seat uh, and she conveniently does not sit on that chair uh rachel says uh she's like we just think you're throwing your life away kurt tells uh santana that tina Again, Miss Gossip Queen Tina Cohen Chang informed Kurt that uh, Santana was a bouncer at a lesbian beer garden, and Rachel's also <laughs> saying that she she's also a go-go girl. So uh, they're picking up on uh, things that Santana must not be telling them. Santana's like, look, it, uh, I'm like a cage dancer. I, I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun. Rachel's telling Santana that she's like the most talented person that she knows, and she's like, well, besides, you know, her and Kurt. Uh, she's like, and I would kill to have like even half of your dance abilities. Santana's like, well, look, maybe I don't have the same dreams that you guys do but what's like so what you know stop forcing your your broadway dreams onto my amazingly awesome dream she's like okay and what's that and santana says you know i'm i'm trying to figure that out so kurt's gonna suggest that she tries to you know maybe take some dance classes here at niata like they offer classes you don't have to be a student so you can do something like that santana's really not that interested again she appreciates their pity but uh she doesn't really want to take advice from uh i think she, she calls them tv's blossom and lady elaine fairchild so uh kurt is uh <laughs> kurt is not getting anywhere santana's gonna head out and uh that's where we are with with those guys so far so are you uh happy to see santana i have to assume you are sam to see santana here in new york despite the fact that uh she's really not sure what she's doing with herself I love it. I mean, Santana can do no wrong in my eyes, personally. I think really, like, in this scene in particular, it shows how much more mature she's always been than the rest of them. I I don't really get the whole shaming Santana for being, you know, 18 years old and not knowing what she wants to do. Like, she came to New York, hit the ground running. She clearly has two jobs, which is more than Kurt and Rachel do, to get, like, everything paid for for them, right? So it's, uh... I, I'm very Team Santana in this. I don't know about you guys. I'm always Team Santana. I mean, I, I, I guess I, I, under, 
understand like the apprehension that the other two must have because in their like shiny little view of the world, you know, it's Broadway bound. You know what I mean? That's all that they have to look forward to. But that was never Santana's dream, and she's always said that she would like to be famous. She just doesn't know how to get there. And I mean, don't shame her for cage dancing. I mean, yeah, like people people dance. People make good. I can only imagine the amount of money that she's making in New York. I mean, you know that's clearly going to be offset by, like, the exorbitant amounts of rent that they must be paying. But, well, actually, no, probably not, because they were able to get that for a very, very cheap amount of money. So she's probably making bank right now because, I mean, cage dancers, they, they make some good money. Um, and that's not to say that you can't be working towards a dream while working. You know what I mean? She just hasn't, hasn't, she hasn't figured exactly what it is that she wants yet, and that's fine. Like, she's 18. Like, obviously, she, you should be working towards it, but... Um, I don't think it's fair to say that she's throwing her life away. She's just, she's only been there a couple of months. Like, give her some time, you know? She's not in school like you guys are. Yeah, and I don't know that I, I gave this uh, kind of credit to Finn at the time. Maybe it's like, I'll, you know, completely own that now this uh, bias coming into this where it's my favorite character that I'm coming to the defense of. Um, that, that probably is exactly what's happening here. But not everybody has a dream or an exact plan, uh, you know, after you get out of high school. You, not everybody knows what they want to do. Even if they, you know, you go to college, uh, you everybody can decide to, you know, not pick a major right away and you can kind of just figure things out as you go. But not everybody is a Rachel Berry that has a dream or Kurt Hummel or, uh, you know, Quinn that is ready to go study, you know, the most important things on, you know, a very good scholarship. Like people just, you know, have to figure things out as they go. And people, you know, there are plenty of people that are not going to ever have that dream. Like they'll eventually find a job that'll, you know, put food on the table and it'll keep them going for, you know, just whatever. Uh, But Rachel and Kurt, I guess when you're living with two people as ambitious as them, then uh, it does probably feel just completely bizarre to them to have that third person in their, you know, in their life now that is just completely different. But I don't know. Uh, you know, you guys know Santana well enough that you should know to not like, you know, question her at this point. She, she's probably the most, um, life smart, whatever the way to put that is uh, person in the room. So I don't know. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I like, uh, I like Kurt's suggestion too. Like, I feel like that's like, the only sensible thing from their side in the conversation, which was like, Hey, you know, like you're working hard, but at least, you know, there's, there's dance classes, there's free things, or there's activities you could be doing to work towards that goal while you're figuring it out. Right. Yep, exactly. Um, so we're going to go back to the, back to the uh, internship actually, where Isabel is there. We have not seen Isabel in a couple of episodes, Pretty much what's going to get, you know, explained here is that Kurt has been at Niata, so uh, he hasn't been stopping by the internship as often. Uh, Isabel is, uh, I have to, you know, flag this up. She's putting together some kind of, like, gift basket for some guests that are coming to the the gala that they're planning um, for the guests named Darren and Christopher. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, Darren and Christopher. Just- uh, Chris... Aronofsky and uh, uh, what's his face? Those famous directors. Right. Not not Darren, Chris and Christopher Colfer. Definitely not those two. No. So, yeah. But the wordplay, I'm sure, was not lost on them. <laughs> yeah. Kurt's there with her. He's uh, she's actually going to ask him how his dad is, because as we know from the Christmas episode, his dad uh, told him that he had cancer and we haven't really gotten an update on that, which I haven't even uh, really thought about. But yeah, uh, Kurt says that he's doing well. His treatments seem to be working and he's back at work. So he's all good there. Kurt was like scared that she was about to fire him 
when she called him to the uh, to come speak with him or her uh, because you know he hasn't been there as much and she's like no Niata's gain is Vogue's loss but I'll never stop you or anyone from pursuing their passion uh, but she's like I do need your help my uh, my celebrity wrangler just canceled on me and I need to, a new person who can just dive right in ASAP to get people to come to this gala it's like for the New York City Ballet Educational Program um, and Kurt's like absolutely I would literally die if you asked anybody else or, or if I didn't do it uh, so Isabel's like okay sounds good and you can even like draft a, a, a few friends to come help you out with it if you want to so um, you know if only Kurt had a couple of friends that would love to go to a thing like this so yeah um, happy to see Isabel here again Amon yeah I don't know why I was under the impression that she was much more present in this season but she's really not she was here for when's the last time we saw her Thanksgiving I think so damn she's only in three episodes why did I feel like she was much more present that's crazy. Probably, probably a little more but, than three. I, I mean, think she was in a few in the early part of the, in the early uh, season four episodes. Maybe like four or five or something. I don't know. I don't think so because we were in. We were. She was there for the for the makeover. That's when he got the job, right? And then, oh wait, no, she's in the breakup. You're right. So four, four. But I think that might be it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I just thought that it was way more than that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad to see. You. I'm glad that they are trying their best to like spin these plates that they have going on for the characters right now. Like, yeah, he's in Niata, but like, did you forget what he was doing when he first got here? But I mean, it still makes sense story wise. I mean, he did tell Isabel when he got the job or when he got the internship that he planned on getting into Niata. Like, he was gonna you know make sure that he was uh applying for the winter or spring semester or whatever. So it was. It's not like they hadn't come to an agreement that he was going to eventually be in school. So, And it is an internship. It's not a place of employment. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, it should still definitely work out for him. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that he's uh, not letting go of that, although I think it's going to mysteriously disappear in the next season. But whatever. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yes. Uh, Sam, you uh, dived into season four without you know going back to seasons one, two, and three. So what are you making of, uh, what would you make so far of Kurt? I mean, I think you did finish season four already, but what do you make of Kurt in this season? He's, uh, you know, first diving into New York without being like fully wanting to, you know, he gets a little bit of a push to get there. Now he's here. He's got the internship. He's uh, moving forward kind of without Blaine at the moment. So um, any thoughts on Kurt for uh, your season four watching? You know what? I really have some issues with Kurt this season. I I feel like that might be like an unpopular thing, and I don't think I had it when I first watched it. But without like the frame of reference, like maybe I'm just an adult now. It frustrates me so much that this internship, like you know, tons of fashion majors, especially in New York, applied for this like dream internship at Vogue, and he's just like half-assing it and doesn't care. Like I don't know. That just frustrates <laughs> the hell out of me. I know it's a fictional story, but like. <laughs> I'm like, man, do you know how many people probably killed for that? Yeah, because uh, his boss is, like, the nicest person on Earth, which is a good thing. But also, like, that can't be a realistic thing, that anybody has a boss that just wants to be your best friend. Like, this is such, like, so storybook. Like, this is just, like, you don't meet Isabel Wrights working in New York City. I just, I, I've never heard of anything like that. Uh, I just, I want to love Kurt. I, I just feel like in the breakup especially, he ends up... I don't know if that scene's happened yet, but he ends up being pretty manipulative towards Blaine. Um, I think he's just trying to find himself as an adult, right? And he's he's back in Rachel's shadow, which is somewhere where he worked really hard not to be. Um, and we're just kind of seeing that reset, but as an adult Kurt, which is kind of sad, mm-hmm. I think. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he, he still like is supporting her. He like pushed, he's the one pushing her along. He wanted to keep her, you know, protected from the Brody thing while she was getting ready to audition for funny girl. So he's definitely still like in her corner, but yeah, I mean, he always kind of struggles to emerge and take the spotlight for himself. Even when it was at the winter showcase, uh, it was a lot of, you know, this is we were there for Rachel. He wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't a planned performance that he ended up getting. He got what he got from, uh, Carmen Thibodeau, because he was there with Rachel, which she called out and, you know, she's probably not wrong about. I mean, maybe she, uh, maybe not exactly. She definitely, you know, appreciated the visit that he paid her at that one point to be like, hey, so about my uh, application this year, like, I think she appreciated him coming to, like, you know, check on it or whatever. But it still feels like the Kurt Rachel team is maybe something she was going for. So, yeah, I just checked the Wikipedia. This yeah, Isabel Wright has only been a present for three episodes. I am in shock. I don't wow. know why I thought Sarah Jessica Parker was here much more, but no. Um, so I guess it only makes sense that when we do see her again, she is still going to be as lovey-dovey over Kurt <laughs> as possible because that's all there is to this girl's character. <laughs> so I think maybe it's because every time she's there, it's like pretty pivotal to the season plots, right? Like Rachel's makeover is a big, big moment. And then the mashup of it's Turkey Lurkey time is just like so iconic. that It just <laughs> seems like she's more present, right? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. That's why I was saying I felt like it must have been at least four or five, but I, I, I am surprised to hear that uh, three was correct. It does feel like it's been more. But all right. Um, so that's that. We are going to bounce back over to Ohio, not to McKinley anymore, because if we want to visit Sue, we have to visit her not at the school. She doesn't work there anymore. She is writing down in her journal. She says, dear journal, I speak to you now, not as Sue Sylvester, world class coach and educatrix, but as Sue Sylvester, freelance champion. <laughs> I've educatrix. <laughs> I've purged myself to the yes. top of the toxic teen town trauma parade that is McKinley High, and life could not be better. I'm making my own hours, rocking a fresh look, which is not the tra- uh, the tracksuit. She's getting paid twice the money to do what she's always done best: dishing out top tier abuse to trophy wives and self hating single gals. At a, as a personal trainer, she's like, I have arrived, and we're gonna go over to see Sue leading her workout class, and she is, you know, going pretty hard at like they are all going. Pretty pretty hard with the music playing, you know, at Sue's direction. Uh, we're going to see a familiar face in the group. It is Blade Anderson rocking his best uh, 19 uh, American Horror Story 1984 outfit with, uh, you know, I mean, it's workout clothes, but, uh, you know, he's got the short shorts going and, uh, you know, a small little shirt. So uh, he, they're all really getting into it uh, at the very end after the class is over. He's also kind of like giving the eyes to like one of the other guys that's in the class. Right. Too. Like, smirk at each other i was like "Ooh, okay right, but does that go into anything i mean sam you can kind of spoil it no it no doesn't. right like, no that, it doesn't so he was just like <laughs> living his best life like just flirting around like i mean okay sure it just i mean why not if it's there look <laughs> right it just felt like a hint that I, I was like i really don't think this goes anywhere but okay um i guess just in case kind of thing um at the end of the class we're gonna see that blaine did survive the intense workout and sue comes up to him and says i never would have let you in if i realized that that was you uh coming into the classroom uh she says but since you did make it in and uh, you made it through the class i'll allow you the chance to speak because she knows that's what he wants to do he tells her look i enjoy i joined the cheerios intending to take you down but i see now that you're gone the cheerio the, the the girls are all lost without you and frankly as student council president i'm a little worried about the advice that uh, Coach Roz is giving, which is uh, we're going to cut over and see. She's suggesting that the girls all get their fatty ribs removed so that they can increase elasticity. 
Okay. Um, but Blaine is going to tell her that uh, something went down at that school and we need to like get these kids' heads back on straight. We need you, Coach Sue. So, Amon, we are now at the point where we are begging Sue to come back to McKinley. I mean, I feel like Sue would also encourage them to get their, you know, their ribs removed. Just because Sue is crazy, just like Rise. So is it really that bad with Rise there? I mean, she was going to shoot Brittany out of a cannon, you know, like it's just all right. You want Sue back? Fine. (laughs) I guess it's just like having the enemy that you do know versus the one that you don't like. Coach Roz Washington does not have, like, that much of an established relationship with the Cheerios. So I can understand, like, having the Stockholm Syndrome and just wanting your uh, your Sue Sylvester back. Yeah, I mean, Sam, who would you want to be coached by, Coach Sue or Coach Roz? Oh, definitely Sue. I don't think that's a question at all. <laughs> I think I'd switch off. I think I'd do Sue on Mondays and Wednesdays and then Coach Roz on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, you have Fridays off? Fridays off, okay. yeah. <laughs> See, I feel like Sue would just threaten to kill you where Coach Roz would, like, actually do it. <laughs> like, she's intense. <laughs> she is. And her uh, her long sentences that Sue's going to acknowledge later, like, just incredible. I, I just love that, uh, you know, I love this character so much. Uh, so I'm glad she's here. Um, but, yeah, so uh, not much else there. Any, any thoughts on uh, this workout class that Sue's leading, Sam? Um, I just, I, I laughed at 23 hour fitness. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was I on the track. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just like Blaine without the gelled hair for like the first time in a long time really mm-hmm. did something for me, but <laughs> it made me feel lazy as fuck. Cause I have not like worked out the way that I used to pre quarantine. And now like looking at them, I was like, wow, I'm a slob. Lob, yeah, I was, imp- I was impressed. Same. This uh, like 18-year-old, 17-year-old kid kept up with like all of these uh, trophy wives and whatever else she was uh, <laughs> calling all the women that come to her class. So, uh, yeah. Sue 90X. Yeah, Sue 90X. Um, we are going to go back to the school, and we see Artie talking to Sam about how Sam was totally right. He's like, actually, I got inspired the other day. I was rolling down, you know, rolling my way to class, and I crunched a water bottle underneath my wheel, and the sound that was made from that water bottle felt almost musical. He's like, imagine if we, like, pushed ourselves to pull out a song with nothing but a water bottle or pencils or a zipper. Like, if we, like, you went unplugged, but, like, we would be, like, unplugged, like, squared. Like, we would be going out like all out with uh with this assignment so he thinks that's a good idea so uh we'll put a pin in that we're gonna see uh Ryder who is in uh they're all in a circle in the auditorium the auditorium really takes center stage uh pardon the pun for uh for this episode I don't know why the auditorium maybe it just has like some better like lighting for them uh with the zero lighting that's going on <laughs> what in the school yeah but like <laughs> they had something in there i don't know what was going on but uh i guess it was better than what they would have gotten in the choir room which doesn't make sense at all because the choir room has an entire panel of windows so there's plenty of light in there i don't think they were in there i think they were i think they were actually in the choir room no way with a bunch of candles i'm pretty sure they were yeah. in the auditorium are you watching it right now yeah i'm watching it right now it looks like it's it looks like uh, I think I see like the risers with the chairs in the background. In the in Ryder's solo. Mm-hmm. No yeah, way. they're in the choir room. Wow. Yeah, that's the choir room. 
that's what I get for taking too many notes and not paying enough attention to the screen. I'm I'm so shocked. I really would have put money on it being in the auditorium. Um, but okay, yeah. So uh, I, it's too dark. I can't see. Who could blame me? Um, he tells the group that he's like, I know these songs are supposed to be unplugged, but I asked Mr. Shu for permission uh, to do a full orchestration, which uh, Will's like, yeah, I agreed because Ryder told me that he wanted to unplug his feelings. Uh, Ryder says he wanted to reveal himself through this song. Uh, it's taken, you know, he needs support to uh, to get to where he's trying to get. And he wants to dedicate the song to all of them for all the slushies, the real and proverbial slushies that they've taken to the face over the years. And Ryder's going to go into this uh, performance of Everybody Hurts, Aman. I thought we were past the slushy age of glee. I was so happy to see that shit leave. And then we have this beautiful song of Everybody Hurts. And what they are talking about hurting is slushies in the face. I was just so over it. I was so I was like, if y'all don't get over yourselves, I was like, oh my goodness, we haven't had a slushy since like the premiere episode. We're moving past that. We're gonna like delve into like some real shit now, and then we're back to slushies. It was just so annoying. You know, this really doesn't surprise me as a take from you because I just remember you know seeing a tweet from you the other day saying, "Be quiet about the key wheel. Nobody needs a key wheel. Shut up about the key wheel." So you're definitely not somebody who like cares about like the uh, the the things that you know like personal to uh, Big Brother or personal to uh, or to, to Glee. You're happy to just keep moving on towards the future of both of the products. Because that's what you need to do. It's called progressiveness, okay? Like, it doesn't, and it doesn't match the weight of the song. The way that it was, the, the way that uh, uh, Unique and Marley got slushy in the beginning, I got it. You know what I mean? It, it made sense. It was like tying the whole thing together. It was like welcoming them, welcoming them into the Glee Club, and not only into the Glee Club, but welcoming them to the to the world of Glee. I got it. But like to have this song talking about, especially because we know we don't. Well, we're gonna find out what Ryder is really singing about. Like equating that to getting slushied. I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like the tone is just always every which way on this fucking show. It's crazy. Am I, am I crazy? I look. I no. The 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 tone of this spe- specific song, I would agree, was weird. I mean, we. I guess I feel like they were just think- thinking like, okay, we haven't had anyone slushied in a while. Like, we got to get it in there sooner Good. or later. So that's I like. I take it that it, you know it did feel a little weird here in terms of like the overall picture of Glee. I still want to see slushies from day one to the end. Like, I, I don't want slushies to go away. So uh, I'm happy they still exist, but I, I don't know that they needed to be in this song. Uh, what do you What do you think, Sam? Yeah, that's where I'm at. Just like knowing. <laughs> eventually what Ryder's going to say it just like it just seems so insensitive <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I mean it's like he's about to admit to being molested and then they're just cutting in scenes of people being slushy like it just feels like a really inappropriate time to be doing cutaways like that I mean granted we w- they wouldn't know that like the kids wouldn't know that so if like if they're th- if he's singing the song about everybody hurting and that was like the thing that was like on their mind the most okay yeah of course they would be thinking that but like since we the audience know that it's something much deeper cuz he doesn't say what it is but he at least we know that it's something that he's hiding that he's more ashamed of than dyslexia which was already like a big thing for him to admit it's like, man, like, you're really taking me out of the element of the scene here. And that's just how I feel about it. I mean, I I, I take your point, Matt, about, like, the, like, slushies being a huge part of the show. And I would like to see them, like, I, I, think, that's, I think that is a nice, quirky through line. It's, I, think it's a, I think it's a unique through line that no other high school drama really has. You know what I mean? I don't think I've ever seen the slushy trope except for Glee. You know what I mean? So it's an iconic 
part of the show, but you don't have to wax nostalgia like every damn <laughs> yeah. season, you know? No, that's fair. Uh, you know, the the only thing about it is I guess they try to like not make it as awkward as um, we're, we are making it sound because Ryder's the one who literally sets this up saying like, I want to sing this song for us, for all the slushies, the real and proverbial ones that we've taken over the years. So he's like the one well, who introduces the Well, then show the, the proverbial slushies. ones. Don't show the real ones. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I guess they're trying to give us a little bit of a mix of both here by showing us the real ones. And then, you know, he's going to go into the uh, the real topic here, which is, as you guys mentioned, um, he's going to tell them that he hasn't told anyone this. Not one person, not even his parents. But he did. No, that's not true. Sorry. He did tell one person this, but he's not sure that he trusts that one person to keep it a secret. So he wants to tell everybody in the Glee Club. Um, he says that when he was 11, he was molested by his babysitter. She just walked in on him in the shower and touched him a bit. Uh, Sam stops him and says, hold on a second. Did you just say she, like as in a girl, like a teenage girl? And Ryder's like, yeah, she was like six to, uh, 17 or 18. Uh, he's like, dude, you were 11 and some hot 18-year-old played with your junk? I would have killed for that. Artie's like, yeah, what, what are you ashamed of? And Ryder's like, I don't know. It just kind of messed me up a bit. You know, I've had trouble trusting girls because of it. And Will immediately, not immediately. Immediately, definitely not immediately, but eventually uh, comes in here and he says, guys, this is not something to high five about. Like, Ryder, I'm sorry, but I, I do let me like I have to let you know that I'm obligated to report this. But they're uh, they're going to keep going with this because Ryder's like, well, it doesn't even matter. She's already locked up. Uh, she got caught doing it to some other kid. And Sam's like still on this. He's like, OK, I'm sorry, but why is that a crime? Like, it's literally every teenage boy's fantasy. Like, there's so many movies about it. Like, I would love for something like this to happen. And Will's like, OK, Sam, we get it. Shut up. Tina also is going to jump in and be like, guys, this is so uncool. This is his truth, not yours. And Ryder eventually is going to get up because uh, of course he is. Like he is sitting here listening to people just completely shit all over something that has been eating away at him for years now, uh, especially something as important and, you know, severe as this. He's like, all right, no, it's cool. I get it. You guys are, you guys are right. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm like the luckiest guy in here. Like, Okay, so cool. And Artie makes a comment as he's leaving. He's like, I mean, the kid clearly has superior games. So um, I don't even know where we would want to start with this. But Sam, I mean, this is obviously uh, like, what the hell are we allowing Sam and Artie to say here? I know that both of those characters have a history of, you know, some shitty things said over the years. But what is this? Uh, yeah, it's brutal. Um, I mean, the thing with Ryder is I feel like he has three really like not connected storylines right like he has his dyslexia he has the catfish and he has this like i almost wish we fully just dropped dyslexia storyline and subbed that out and started with this one a bit earlier like if we'd found out before this episode that the catfish like knew stuff that he wasn't telling people because he clearly told her all this stuff before you know the school shooting so i just feel like for continuity say i know glee is like not the greatest at continuity but I feel like this could have been such a like really great storyline if you combine this with the catfish story. I just feel like maybe, I don't know, maybe like one too many. Also, I, I, I get like what they were trying to do with the writing, like obviously showing that men who are victims of sexual assault often aren't taken as seriously. Yeah. I feel like the ballad should, like the soulful ballad should have been after Artie and Sam's reaction because I was really actually feeling for Ryder when he like walked away. And I was like, this is like a great moment to 
burst into song. Look but, at you uh, stepping in the writer's room with us. That's what we always do. We always change things around where things could have been better. And I, I fully agree with that. Like that number should have been at the end of this where he walks off, you know, forget the slushies, forget, uh, you know, all of that. Just like have him talk about the story. And then he's getting like picked on for, you know, being vulnerable about something that everybody else finds a joke and then have him go sing Everybody Hurts. That would have been good. Um, Aman, what do you think? I mean, yeah, clearly, I think we don't have to talk too much about like how uh, messed up it is for Sam and Artie to say that I think that we have a pretty smart and emotionally in touch listening base. But what I will say is I think that it was such a interesting choice to make with Artie's character. Um, Sam, not so much because we don't really hear Sam talk too much about sex throughout the series. But at least with Artie, he was really, really hurt when Brittany took his virginity for the sake of taking his virginity to make Brittany jealous, or make uh, Santana jealous. So he has some sort of, like, personal investment in even being able to have sex and, like, to feel like a man and not to be, like, emasculated. And I feel like for him to make this claim, I was like, really, Artie? Like, that's coming from you, of all people? Like, you're going to go ahead and make that, like, like... Make it come from Jake or somebody, you know what I mean? Make it come from somebody that hasn't established or has an established character that would say something like this. Because I'm fine with them saying it because it does highlight that. But I was just completely in shock when Artie was the one to do anything like that. But, um, yeah, just uh, it was I, I think I also have a problem with the fact that Mr. Shu wasn't harsh enough. Like, Tina should not have been the, the voice that was, like, the most critical of it all. Like, you, it should have been the teacher in the room, especially if he's talking about how he has to you know, report it, and for for him to allow Ryder to just be like, you know what, no, they're right, they're right, like, no, they're not right, like, I need, I, we need some pushback here, you know, like, I just, I just feel like there wasn't enough pushback in order for people to get the message that this is bullshit, you know what I mean, but, but yeah, that already thing just really just floored me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement, of course, that, uh, I, I, like, Will should have said something much sooner than he ended up saying anything, like, he should have shut things down the second that Sam opened his mouth like after that first line um, but they get like too deep into the conversation where Ryder is already feeling uncomfortable and then you give Artie the chance to jump in and be like yeah like what are you talking about what's wrong with this uh, and then eventually like you said Tina has to be the one to, to come in here and like shut things down for good and be like you know it like it's different when a teacher is like you know being like guys guys but when it's your friend like you know your friend not just like a random other classmate that, that's being like guys seriously not cool shut up um, and then eventually they you know they, they kind to shut up but then Artie still says something after Ryder walks away so yeah this is uh not a good look for those two or, or those three I'll, I'll count Will in there uh as well but yeah it really sucks for Ryder here he's finally opening up about things um but and also Sam I'm I was thinking about what you said earlier it does feel like Ryder has a lot on his plate right now between uh the multiple different storylines that he's running with so I don't know I guess they just uh saw him on the Glee project you know doing a really good job with the with the whole acting thing, and we're like, oh, this this is a kid that can take a challenge. Like this is somebody who uh, right. Like let's to. make him dyslexic. Let's make him be molested. Like what's next? Like this kid has just been through the ringer. God damn. Mm-hmm. Like I almost wish that the dyslexic thing was like a made up excuse for what he was actually feeling with the molestation thing. Like he he felt like he was forced to reveal his secret, so he just came up with this, this dyslexic thing. So that like like the Tina know, stutter. Yeah. So that he could avoid mm-hmm. actually talking about the actual problem like that. And then I would have felt like it was an actual like season long story arc, but it mm-hmm. just feels like a bunch of jagged pieces. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Yeah. Uh, we're going to see after this scene, Kitty is going to uh, go out with Ryder. I think they're at breadsticks. Um, they're talking about how, uh, first of all, Puck broke up with Kitty because he went off to college, uh, you know, a college that he doesn't even go to. And uh, he broke up with Kitty before he did so. She's, you know, she's a little uh, down about that. She's like, I just don't get why I have such terrible luck with guys. Um, and she's saying, you know, it's probably because I have uh, I try I come on really strong and I pretend to be all slutty. And then I freeze up right away and get distant and drop weird hints that my vagina has teeth. Uh, but I didn't come here to talk about that. She tells him that she notices. So it seems like you do know why you have bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> she does. This uh, this feels pretty similar to again, you know, her uh, Cheerios of past of uh, you know Quinn and Santana, who in their own ways had trouble dating uh, here and there. So um, you know, we're uh, keeping things along the same lines there. Uh, but yeah, she tells Ryder that she noticed that he felt that he seemed withdrawn this week in Glee Club after he told everybody the secret. He's like, she's like, it must be because you think that nobody else in the room understood what you went through. But I actually did. Um, I had a sleepover in my friend Julie's basement or something. And you know, her older brother came downstairs. I was in sixth grade and in the middle of the night he came downstairs and he crawled into my sleeping bag. She's like, it first I thought it was a joke I, I didn't know what was happening but then he started to feel me in places and in the morning I went straight home without even saying goodbye and she's like I couldn't even tell my parents I was afraid of upsetting them but when I did tell them they were confused and didn't understand why I waited so long to say something about it so then Kitty's parents called his parents and then all she could hear was you know her saying how how good of a kid uh, th this boy was and how she didn't know how something like that could happen and then all of a sudden uh, Kitty's friend Julie stopped talking to her and everybody at school thought that Kitty was spreading rumors about her brother and then she told all of her friends to stop talking to her and finally Kitty decided that it would just be easier to switch schools and that's what she did so she tells Ryder that she understands what it's like to uh, have something happen to you and feel like nobody understands so she wants him to know that she does understand and Ryder is going to thank her Aman. Fuck Julie fuck Julie and her brother like, that just really pissed me off. Like, I hate that shit when somebody, like, tries to discredit somebody else because they're spreading uh, rumors, or not in this in this case, spreading the truth about somebody that they care for. It's just like, yeah, no, no, fuck that guy. Like, she's totally lying. Like, I mean, clearly the girl's in sixth grade, so, like, she probably wouldn't know anything like that. But it just, that just, I just had, like, a visceral reaction when I heard that part of her story. And But overall, I am glad that Kitty has decided to open up. She's been opening up to the new directions more and more as the season progresses. You know what I mean? We just had like the Guilty Pleasures episode with Spice Girls, and that's something that's a little bit more frivolous, but it just shows that she's becoming much more comfortable with the club than her predecessors have been in their first year, and she doesn't have a problem like admitting it either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I... um. I, I like this sort of like contrast. If we're going to like talk about her amongst the rest of the Cheerios characters in the show, I think that she's someone that's a little bit more interesting to me because she sort of like gets past the initial stigma of Glee Club a little bit more quickly than the rest of them do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I really love Kitty. It's almost I feel like Kitty early episodes is different than Kitty now. I feel like they created Brie to just kind of fill in what Kitty was supposed to be. And now nope. we have like, nobody knows who Bree is just yet. Oh yeah, I don't think she's in yet. <laughs> you gonna they, find out. They're about to find. Yeah, you Santana Lopez out. is right, old Santana Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like they create Bree to like fill in Kitty, you know, because now Kitty's like this wonderful three-dimensional character, especially like with this monologue. Like, I really love how she talks about how hard it is to come forward and why it takes so long to come forward sometimes and stuff like that. The conversation between the two of them is like really, really beautiful as well. It's the first time, like right after 
Ryder storms off, I'm actually feeling for Ryder as a character. Like, <laughs> through through the whole dyslexia stuff, like, it's not even the fact that he had dyslexia. I just didn't care about the character. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I feel like I do a little bit. I just kind of, like, my only, like, wish was that we had said by now that Kitty wasn't the catfish because we're still, like, really running with that red herring that Kitty is. Like, yeah. I, I wish that there wasn't that kind of, like, screen between them in this conversation so that they could, like, fully trust each other and, like, have this moment together, you know? Yeah, that's a great I point. I can't remember for the life of me who I thought the catfish was when I watched this the first time. I really can't remember who I was thinking. I, I, I think I might have been thinking Kitty, but... That doesn't ring true for me for some reason. I was thinking that it might have been a guy for whatever reason. Maybe that's just like my gay brain wanting everything to be gay. I don't yeah. remember. I don't but know. the show is definitely pointing towards Kitty at this point. Like they're trying to force feed us that it might be Kitty who's the catfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we were down to to only a couple of options, and I won't go like through each one of them because uh, we still don't know who exactly it is. So if anyone's out there still unspoiled, you know that's uh, it's we're not even gonna find on in this episode. But I totally agree that you know um, they should have taken down that screen of like it confirming that it wasn't Kitty. Like there should have been some kind of. You know, it, w- it would have been nice uh, to, to have some kind of conversation here where Ryder, like, confirmed that it wasn't her because I, I agree. Like, as much as she wants him to trust her, uh, it's hard for him to trust anyone right now because he has his walls up with everybody in the Glee Club. The only reason that he told everybody in the Glee Club, as he's going to say later, is because he was, you know, using – not using that. Like, he definitely wanted to tell everybody that and, you know, get that off of his chest. And it, I think it felt good for half a second when he when he was able to do so. But he also was – you know, the Katie thing was at play as well. So – yeah, um, the, as much as Kitty is confiding in him, it doesn't feel like we are really getting somewhere with it, which is sad. But at least, you know, in terms of Kitty herself as a character, I think we're really going in a very good direction where this is the kind of thing that started to happen with Quinn, where she started to be, you know, humanized a little bit and become a person. And that's when Ryan started to hate her. Ryan Murphy started to hate her. But uh, <laughs> Becca Tobin's on the right path here. She's doing it and uh, still going to be getting some good content in the coming season. So obviously uh, she did not do whatever whatever Diana Agron did over the years but whatever yeah well i mean for all um for all Ryder knows here like kitty could have known his story for the last 3 4 weeks while he told her and had the time to come up with this you know you know this story like he really has no reason to trust anyone which is so sad uh, yep so uh after all that we're going to go back to the auditorium right I think this is the auditorium, yeah. I think it's the auditorium. I, I, I just think yeah, this is, this is the auditorium. Is the auditorium. Yeah. Okay, we're in the auditorium, oh, not yeah, the yeah. choir room for this number. We're gonna see the new directions. Uh, Artie's gonna kick us off with some Sam, some Blaine, some Jake, some Ryder, and a performance of "We Will Rock You." And we've got random instruments all around. Uh, well, objects as instruments is uh, you know that was what Artie and Sam were putting together earlier. I have no idea where they got all of this stuff to do this performance, <laughs> um, but it's a really fun number. I really enjoy it. You get some Jake dancing in the middle of that, which I know Amon was probably really excited I know about. That fucking pirouette, bitch. Oh. <laughs> it was so good. Were you into the whole number or just that part of it? Just that part. No, <laughs> no I like the whole number too. The whole number. I mean, who doesn't like We Will Rock You? You know what I mean? It's just a, a power anthem. Mm hmm for almost every situation. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Sam, what do you think? I loved it. I, I was just imagining, though, if they brought, like, a bunch of garbage onto the regional stage. Like, knowing Glee, they would have, like, one of the judges be a sanitation worker that just, like, sends <laughs> them to nationals because they use garbage. <laughs> 
<laughs> that would have been incredible. Um, they yeah. they do play to the judges. That would have been good. So yeah, a, a fun number there with "We Will Rock You." All of them. Uh, you like everybody sounds good in it. I mean, Artie especially to start things off, and then I think Ryder at the end, like kind of starting and closing with those guys, I thought was really good. Uh, like Ryder is like when they give him songs that fit his like what he's able to do, like it's really good. Um, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, uh, after this number, we're going to go outside and check in with the Cheerios. We see Roz is uh, on the bleachers doing some cheer practice. And then Sue Sylvester is on the other end of the bleachers just watching the practice go on. Becky, not in uniform, not in Cheerios uniform, is going to find Sue and come up to her. And uh, she tells Sue that she actually quit the team because of how Roz tr- uh, treats her. Amon, <laughs> do you have this dialogue? Maybe the fact that you grew from an itty-bitty fetus into a full-size adult in less than a calendar year has made you cocky, Robin Sylvester. But around here, we like our protein shakes to taste like human food and not some crazy peanut butter stem cell sauce you cooked up on your island of Dr. Monroe. Why is she calling her Robin Sylvester? I get why, but... I, I can't. I can't. And neither can Becky. Neither can Lauren Potter, this actress that, that plays Becky, who is an iconic queen. And you see her face in this entire number, uh, the, not number, in this entire scene. Like, she is smiling. She is laughing. There's there's no way you can convince me otherwise. Like, when Roz Washington is in your face yelling at you, calling you an itty-bitty fetus that turned into a full-size adult, uh, calling you Robin Sylvester, and just, this is it's too funny. Like, there's no actor that's going to get through this scene without the smiling that uh that she did it's funny it's great i have always admired her run-on sentences yes uh you you and super <laughs> so yeah that's why becky has quit the cheerios um and she's gonna beg sue to come back she says look i'm sorry about what happened it just i miss you so bad that it hurts and sue says look becky i miss you too but this is the best thing to ever happen to me as a trainer people take me seriously you know 95 years i gave those girls <laughs> and what did i get 95 years um she's like certainly not just their respect bad lazy grab bag of quitters backstabbers flip-floppers Lipstick lesbians and ungrateful, <laughs> sloppy, knocked-up sluts. <laughs> and Becky says, and and me. And Sue's like, yes, and you, Becky. I'm sorry, though, honey. I've, I've moved on, and I, I can't go back to babysitting all these brats, which is going to lead us into a Sue Sylvester number. I feel like we haven't gotten one in a while. Sue is going to be performing Little Girls, which, of course, is from Annie. And I only say, of course, because it's so rare that it comes from a musical that I have seen. Oh, there's too many Annie numbers in Glee. Yeah, we get two this this season, don't we? This is the second one this season. Second one this season, yeah. And there's still more to come, I think. Well, Jane Jane Lynch was uh, in the role of Miss Hannigan at the time on Broadway, so this was a nice little uh, advertisement for her, um, as well as just like a, a chance for her to like show you know her new Broadway chops that she had gotten um, when she filled in for the role in 2012 or 2013, actually. So that was kind of nice of them to do that for her. And the fact that it, like, worked so well with the story. I was like, yes, this is how you do it. This is how you fucking do it, bitch. Um, but, yeah, I, I love this number. I love that Becky is dressed up like Sue, even though Sue isn't even at the school anymore. And <laughs> I feel bad for Becky, too, because she she's missed her best friend. Like, Sue was, like, always there for her and, you know, always protected her and made her feel normal and didn't treat her any differently just because she has Down syndrome and... Just like her guardian angel, you know what I mean? And without Sue there, I do, I 
that's the one thing that I hate about Sue leaving the school. Is like, how like are you really gonna leave Becky there alone? Like that just seems really irresponsible to me. But they are giving Lauren Potter such good scenes this season too. They do. I know. They do. They do. Uh, yeah, Sue during this practice is like pushing all the girls down because uh, we're going to see that this is a dream sequence. But she, uh, in her vision of how this all goes down, she's pushing the girls down. She's kicking all their stuff all over the place. Uh, just she's had enough. But I mean, she does this even when it's not a dream sequence. So I don't know why it has to be a dream sequence. Um, she is walking around the school. She's like in the bathroom. She opens one of the stalls and the Cheerios making out. One of them is taking a pregnancy test. Um, and then we like cut back towards the end of the song and she has knocked out each and every one of these Cheerios. They are laying down on the bleachers, like, unconscious. Uh, Roz, as well, is also... Roz. Yep, Roz, <laughs> as well, is down and down for the count. Um, and Sue, at the end of the number, is going to say she doesn't miss any of them, not one bit, not at all. You couldn't pay me to go back to that. So uh, what do you think of this whole, whole scene here, Sam? Um, I just love how they decided this episode that they're going to build Darren Chris for every single number because he randomly shows up in or every single scene like he's in the uh the workout room and now we finally see him in cheerios for the first time which like darren chris in the cheerios uniform but um (laughs) (laughs) mm, yeah i also cheerios because i have the episode open right now one of them looks particularly dead at the end of this slumped over this damn bleachers i might send you guys a screenshot of it because she looks like beheaded (laughs) like what the fuck is going on (laughs) on this here day that's a funny number it's a good it was a good uh break between i think some really serious scenes yeah yeah definitely she's like on the top left hand corner well not quite the top but like bottom from the top left hand like you can't even see her head (laughs) (laughs) yeah i see which one you're talking about so yeah, Sue has uh, Sue's taken down all the Cheerios in her uh, in her tirade here too. Uh, she she's had enough. She doesn't want any more of these little girls. She's happy with this new life that she's got going on for herself. So as of now, Sue is uh, not looking for her teaching position back. She's gonna go to keep teaching all those uh, you know trophy wives and Blaine. Uh, how to dance uh, or work out or whatever it is. Um, but let's leave them be for a little bit. Let's go over to New York because it's t- it is time for the gala. And Santana is out here looking stunning as always. Uh, Rachel is there with Kurt, of course, as well. Isabel and all of them. Uh, Rachel is going to go up to Isabel and ask if they can watch the performance from the audience. They'd really like to watch. And Isabel says, absolutely not. Because you're going to be watching with me in the wings. Uh, she's like, Santana, do you want to join us? Kurt's like, no, she's not going to want to. She's not even here for the ballet. Uh, Isabel's like, I do not believe that. Every little girl's dream is of being in a ballet. And Rachel's like, yeah, well, not Santana. Santana is like going to shoo them away. She's like, okay, um, actually, I did take ballet classes, but I was so busy being a tomboy. You know, I ended up only taking a few lessons. Uh, you know, I think it like pissed off her dad along the way. And she's like, but but it did. I, I enjoyed it. It helped me escape for a little bit and not feel so different. You know, I felt like I was a part of something beautiful. Um, so she's, you know, c- kind of confiding that in is- uh, Isabel there. And we're going to go into a performance that, Sam, I know you are very excited for. It's uh, at the ballet. Tell me all about it. Tell me why you love it. Uh, well, it's from one of my favorite musicals, A Chorus Line. But I just I, I love it. It's so beautiful. My the weird part about it, though, is that usually it's sung by three women because there's three verses with three different stories. But I just love that they didn't want to add, like, a false backstory to Rachel or Kurt. So they just made Santana take one verse and then Sarah Jessica Parker to take the other two verses. <laughs> um, 
but oh my god it's so beautiful the song sung so wonderfully and it's such like good storytelling like i know it doesn't ultimately add much to um everything but it's nice to see like some good santana backstory because i feel like we don't really get much of her backstory until the later seasons yeah we get we get a little bit i guess with the umbrella stuff but yeah we don't get like nearly as much as a lot of the other characters daddy always thought that he married beneath him that's That's what he said that's what he said when he proposed, he informed my mother it was probably her very last chance. Yes, it sounds so good. They sound so good on this. Um, I'm also a fan of a chorus line and this number in particular because of like the the montageness of it all. And I agree, it's great that we um, or it's it's great that we get to see Santana as a child. We get to see a lot of these other kids as. Um, as children before they reach McKinley. Um, so, and this is the first time they were getting Santana that way. And I liked the fact that they were sort of like all, all of them were united in having taken ballet at some point um, in their childhood, because I feel like it's the perfect way to let the audience, but also let the audience know, but also let Rachel and Kurt know, like, look, like Santana is in a lot of ways similar to you two. You know what I mean? Like, just because she is not like Broadway bound does not mean that she doesn't like to perform or that she doesn't have aspirations or goals of her own. Because I feel like in a lot of ways, Rachel and Kurt have like a holier than thou attitude when it mm-hmm. comes to the rest. I mean, obviously Kurt, or, I mean, obviously uh, Rachel does, but so does Kurt. Kurt definitely has his moments where he has like this self-righteousness about him and so like this whole meeting that they set up with santana like while of course i understand that they are concerned and i like that they are concerned about santana it does come off as like oh my god you're a go-go dancer like what the fuck are you doing like get out of this apartment you know what i mean but like leave that girl alone like she she is just like you two if not a little bit better if we're being real so yeah i just uh, i like this because we really get to see not only uh, a young santana but it sort of like ties in this whole idea of there there's there's a there's an aspiration there that I I probably kind of like lost along the way at some point, but it still exists. Like there's basis for my aspiration. You know, it's not just like I just want to be famous for the hell of it. Like no, like I actually this is coming from somewhere. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Santana doesn't quite know what she wants to do right now. She's not sure of her dream in the same way that Kurt and Rachel are. But this is uh, kind of like uh, she didn't plan on this to to go down this way because, you know, she didn't even want to go with Kurt in the first place until he told her that she would have a, you know, amazing dress that she would get to keep. But now that she's here, it is kind of sparking something within her that's reminding her of something, you know, from her past that really meant a lot to her at the time. And having Isabel, I think, there as well, who is like actively, you know, trying to like pull this out of her in a gentle, loving way. Way, which is how she usually operates rather than Rachel and Kurt being like, come on, what's your dream? You stupid go-go dancer. Um, so she's, you know, she's getting somewhere with this. Um, but at the end of it, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful number. I, I mean, sounds like you guys uh, just, you know, also can't say enough good things about it. Rachel, um, well, Santana and Isabel specifically sound incredible on it, but then also Rachel and Kurt, uh, Rachel at the end and Santana kind of close the song out. Uh, they're, they're like moved really close together on stage while, you know, all the ballet is happening around them and all this kind of stuff. But Santana's going to tell them, you know, I'm sorry. I, I really love dancing. I'm just not like you guys. I don't know what I want to do or how I'm going to get there. And Isabel tells her, well, you have plenty of time to figure it out. It doesn't have to be ballet or Broadway, just as long as it's something that you love, something that feeds your soul. And Santana, baby steps are OK. So 
Isabella just imparting some uh, lovely words to She's Santana. Fairy godmother. She to literally is. That's, <laughs> to all of us. That was on the tip of my tongue. So uh, yeah, taking the words out of my mouth there. She's she's great. Uh, it was is this her last episode? Yeah, yeah. This is it. Oh man. So I'm I'm glad that they gave her like this the most of the song. You know what I mean? Because we're not yeah. gonna get anything else. I also think like a cool part to kind of add off of what Amon was saying is like it's really clear. Like obviously Rachel and Kurt had everything handed to them growing up, um, especially in regards to like performative and extracurriculars. Like they always got to do what they wanted, and there was never anyone really like besides you know their high school bullies or whatever saying that they couldn't go like rachel's already said her parents pay for her apartment and everything where whereas santana's had to like really work hard for everything that she got and i i don't think she ever really thought she was probably going to get out of ohio so no she didn't to see her to see mm-hmm. her like have the realism and like slowly like come to work towards it and not have these big aspirational dreams like that's it's nice to see the two sides of the coin right yeah yeah, for sure. No, I agree. I think that's a really good point because I mean, yeah, we do. I mean, I mean, we we hear nothing about how we hear nothing but how uh, Rachel's dads dote upon her and her dreams and like. I mean, just think about who Rachel's mother is. Like they they literally preyed upon an actress that wanted to make it in to NYC to have their sur- like to be their surrogate and you know have the daughter of their own that they could like build and mold into like this big Broadway actress. So this is all Rachel's ever known. It's all she's ever been supported in. But for Santana, it's not always, it's a bit of a different story. And like, I think that there is a really, there's a crisis of confidence there, right? Like she, I mean, on top of like the whole lesbian thing, like, I mean, I feel like that's probably a a common theme in a lot of LGBT people's lives. Like you are already like having to fight a battle of like coming to terms with who you are because the rest of the world is like telling you that it's bad. And so I feel like that permeates not only in just, like, your sexuality, but, like, in other areas of your life. And until you're able to really know who you are fully, it's kind of hard to have a sense of direction because you've been hiding for so long. And you're right. Like, she was hiding when she went to Kentucky. She didn't want to go to no fucking Louisville. Like, she, why, why was she there? That was a complete waste of time. And mm-hmm. now, now she, you know, baby steps are okay. Like, she's decided, you know what, I don't want to be a cheerleader anymore. I hated it there. She goes to New York. So now she's in New York and she's she figuring it out. So I think that this is like really her her coming out party of sorts, this whole number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, she's she's they made the decision back in uh, episode four for, you know, her and Brittany to, you know, break things apart for now so that she could go. You know, they, they are at two different points in their life. Brittany was held back. So she was stuck in high school. Santana was moving forward. So, I mean, just for me. I had so many times throughout the season that I was like, where are the Britannica? Like where get them back together. But like on the rewatches and seeing how this all plays out, like you don't get to know Santana as well as we do over time. If she's just stuck, you know, sitting back in Ohio waiting for Brittany to get out of class at the end of the day. So um, the fact that she's able to follow the two of them, you know, Rachel and Kurt to New York, I think is great. I love the way that they go with this and uh, it's, it's developing really nicely because we are really starting to see, you know, Santana as uh, she's getting more backstory as we just mentioned. And I I think it's all pretty good here. Um, But Sam, I'll give you final thoughts. If you have anything else on, uh, on this number before we walk away from it. No, we're good. Away. I got my last thoughts in. All right. <laughs> dance away. <laughs> yes. Let's go back to McKinley for a little bit because we are going to see Roz 
And Becky in Figgins' office. Roz is going to yell over to Figgins. Sue's adult baby is being a belligerent pain in my booty, and I am not going to take it anymore. First, she started making <laughs> fart noises every time I bent over. Then she started making fart noises every time I blinked. Ain't nobody fart every time they blink. That's crazy. <laughs> then Robin Sylvester <laughs> called me Coach Chocolate Pie. So I marched her down here so that you can decide what to do with her. It's your problem. And Figgins, who like sounds like every bit of enthusiasm and anything has been like drained from his body for some reason he sounds so like dejected becky jackson you can't insult the sultry and mysterious coach (laughs) Roz washington she is an african-american treasure (laughs) becky tells him that she only misbehaved so badly because she wanted to be sent here to talk to him he says well why didn't you just come here yourself and she says she didn't think of that so uh but she does need to tell him something She didn't think of that. She, what do you want? She, she didn't think of that. I mean, yeah, it seems obvious, but she didn't think of that. So uh, that's that's that. We're not going to see what she has to tell him just yet, but um, <laughs> she's got a good plan to at least get herself to Figgins' office, Simon. I just love that Coach Roz is sort of like a character that calls out the absurdity of, like, of Glee, but it's also an absurd character. So it's just like such an interesting uh, thing that they have going on here with her. With all the lines they give her. Of course, Principal Figgins is asleep in the office. Of course he is. Because what else? He's asleep at the wheel. Like, he's just, yeah. that's just how he is. Do we ever get, like, Becky and Figgins scenes? I mean, this is a really, really short one. But I think this is the first and only time we ever see that. No, like, I mean, she's always interacting with Sue. Sue's, uh, Sue. Sue does all the messaging for Becky to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Um, I still think it's, like, miserable that they made her do the school shooting. But I just love everything Becky this season. Like, I'm, I'm glad they finally decided to to give her storylines and have her be, like, a really fleshed-out character with feelings and thoughts. And this is, like, very reflective of that. I couldn't agree more. Um, yes, so Becky is uh, here with Principal Figgins. But as she is, the power is back at McKinley. And Figgins is going to get on the PA system and tell them that the power has been restored Congratulations to all of us for refusing to resort to idol worship and rampant cannibalism. We have discovered that the blackout occurred when a Mylar balloon congratulating my secretary, Donna, on her successful hysterectomy became trapped in an outlet behind her file cabinet. McKinley Titans, it is a new dawn. Let us welcome in a new era of peace and prosperity. Yours truly, Principal Figgins. And then he is going to get his little chair vibrator going that he was already running when he was using the generator for it. But... Uh, enough of that. We uh, have power back, but we're going to go over to the auditorium and Will tells everybody, hold on, don't plug in just yet. Let's still continue with this lesson. Uh, this is still a pretty good chance for us to go acapella. You know, nothing but our voices for this next number, because those are the only instruments that, uh, that truly matter. Uh, we're going to go to the auditorium and we're going to see Ryder talking to Katie one more time. He asks her if she liked his story that he gave to the Glee Club. He's like, I was just trying to look around to see if anybody would already know what I was about to say because, you know, I pretty much knew that uh, that you were in there because uh, he talks about when the phone was ringing uh, back a couple days ago. He's like, it was too big of a coincidence, but he also got no signals from her. So he's still confused. Just I, like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going to become of us. But just so you know, I, uh, this thing has been working for me. Um, oh, my God, Ryder. You are so I'm so sorry that this is happening. And we don't see any of her replies. Like he's kind of just sending messages back and forth. But I guess, uh, you know, 
the conversation must be going well because he's still very much enjoying this. And uh, he tells her that, you know, I'll be here, I guess, whenever the next time you want to talk is. Uh, but Kitty's going to come by and ask Ryder if she wants if he wants to hang out, go get some subs. Uh, he says that he can't because he kind of has a date. He, she's like, seriously, like with the catfish. She like, do you understand that she's a projection? Like whatever you want her to be is what she is. And that's why this is working so well for you. So why don't you just stop embarrassing yourself and come have lunch with me? Ryder's like, look, I get it. And part of me wants to go with you, but I can't not not right now. I'm sorry. And she's getting upset because she was really starting to like him. And he's like, well, maybe after I find out, you know, who Katie is and we straighten this all out, then maybe, maybe I can go out with you then. And she's like, yeah, no, I don't think so. So, this is going on for a little too long for my liking. Um, I'm just at a point where I'm like, okay, Ryder, who are the options here? And if you know who the <laughs> Release options the are. Cast! Release the fucking cast! <laughs> like, you know who the options are. It doesn't seem to be Kitty. I just wish that we were, I wish, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. I'm on, what's going on here? He fumbled the ball here. Like, Kitty mm-hmm. just, you know told you this really personal story about herself and not to say that that's a reason to date anybody that's certainly not but she's making an effort here she just asked you to just go to lunch with her just to spend some time because you two are getting a little closer and your whole thing was that you were worried that this would get out before you could control the information because you told somebody that you felt like you were getting close to that but you're really not and here's this tangible person that you know that's you know with their arms outstretched and you stiff armed her essentially. And this is where all the evil in the world comes from. If we could just love the people that loved us, we'd all be much happier human beings, but no, he is so much more invested in this person that he doesn't know because he spent so much time at this point talking with her. And now he feels like it's like sunken time. If he doesn't, you know, finish this through, which I can understand, but you can go to lunch with Kitty and you you can go back right back to your phone or whatever and talk to this person if you really must. It's just lunch. Mm-hmm. But he's just so entranced by this illusion. It's crazy. And he knows that it's an illusion. That's a thing. Yeah. Like you know that you're being catfished. Like you know that they're using the wrong picture. Like I wonder what I wonder what that conversation was like because we see him sing his heart out to who he thinks is the girl. The girl's like, "That's not me." Oh my god, you're being catfish. I'm surprised that she didn't give a fuck. Like, why she's like, I, I would have been popping off. Like, who the fuck is using my picture? She didn't Seriously. give a damn. Like, and he obviously doesn't give a damn because she still has the picture up. So it's just it's a mess. Yeah. Um. You would you would think that by now this would you know I don't know he would come to his senses in one way or another and realize that like he was hurt by this person by the you know they keep standing him up and whatever and I don't know how this is working for him so well I guess it's truly just the fact that he was able to be he is and was able to be vulner- vulnerable with them and he's like you know blocking himself out to anything that could potentially be harmful about this which is a lot of this um, but he's not letting himself you know see that because you know it just makes him happy every time he logs on and he starts talking to Katie so um, it's it's you know tough to watch because you know he's only in to to get hurt but uh, I can't jump through the screen and help him but uh, that's that's that so what do you think Sam yeah well I mean first of all like really who does he have left because Tina wasn't in the choir room during the the shooting so it's pretty much in his mind if he's assuming it's a woman it's either Marley or Kitty like there's literally no other options so he's shutting down who he thinks the catfish is in kitty 
to hang out with the catfish at the computer, but he thinks it's Kitty. So it just like doesn't really add up to me in that sense. So you're saying, do, are we, do we think that he's just discounting Unique as an option because he still looks at her as a boy? Yeah, Okay. I think so. I, I mean, we've set up Ryder as kind of being a little out of touch. I mean, he's a freshman yeah. in Ohio. So, I mean, we are in the Glee universe where everyone's like LGBT and friendly, but realistically... He's a, a freshman in Ohio. I think he thinks it's either Kitty or Marley. But even outside that, like, I'm I'm pretty team Kitty here. Like, you know, she really opened up and, you know, tried to care about someone. He really shut it down. And her saying, like, he doesn't get a second chance. I mean, she's literally his second choice. Like, he's like, oh, I can hang out with you if this thing with Katie doesn't work out. I'd be like, screw you, dude. Like, it's I'm not, not I'm not your out. second choice. It's not fucking working out. <laughs> It's not going to work out, but even if it doesn't work out, you're saying, like, oh, I can now see you because that didn't work out? Like, why would you ever, especially Kitty, who I think regards herself pretty high and mighty, why would she ever want to be second choice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he did not secure the bag here at all. No. Real bad. <laughs> yeah, so sadly, uh, Ryder is not making any progress with that. We'll bounce back to New York briefly before we get to our closing number of this episode. Santana is going to show up to her first dance class, and she's late. And uh, she is called out for being late by the teacher. And she's like, what? If we're, if we're Listen, if we're going to talk about being late, can we say something to Gramps over here? Um, she, she gets told to <laughs> sit down. Oh, my God. What a bitch. <laughs> Uh, she she gets told to sit down. This is Niata extension, so if you sign up and pay, you get in. Anybody. She's like, so I was uh, hoping to say that, like, I, I hope none of you think that you're coming in here expecting that it's going to help you to get into Niata as a student. Santana says, no, the last thing that I want is to pay 30 grand a year to, to get a degree doing something that I'm already freaking Wonder Woman at. And the teacher's like, okay, then why are you here? And she says, I love to dance. I'm an artist, but I, I sort of lost touch with that part of myself lately, and I'm here to do some kind of, you know, reintroducing. And the teacher's like, all right, I can dig that. Uh, they're going to go up to uh, begin practicing, and Santana is you know, stretching it out a little bit and she looks across the room and she's going to see herself as a young ballet dancer and she's going to go over and talk to her. And young Santana looks up at her with these bright eyes and says, don't forget me again, okay? Don't forget me, bitch. Mm. <laughs> so sad. She says, don't forget me again. And Santana looks back at her and, you know, kind of grabs her by the hands and, well, not grabs her. That sounds aggressive. Um, just takes her hands and says, I won't, I promise. And she gives her a little bit of a hug and she tells her, I've got you now. And uh, we're going to close out that scene of Santana hugging younger Santana. Any thoughts on that? Come on. Just Did anybody else sort of get like a bit of a, a vibe from the ballet instructor when she was like, I can dig that. I was like, is this going to be some sort of like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was kind of getting like a little vibe that she was like saying I can dig Santana. Not that so much what she had to say. The way that Glee has <laughs> trained our be, brains. Ugh. I, I know. But like, it's, I mean, she's of age. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just projecting. <laughs> I was gagged the whole time. Like, the whole scene, I couldn't stop thinking about the 30K semester. Is that just, like, normal in the U.S. for a semester? That just seems like a whole lot of money. Shit, it's in a money. I ain't spending 30K a semester on a school, so I do not blame her at all. Tell us more about how great Canada is. <laughs> I also realized, Amon, that the yeah. other day we told uh, Rosie that she was our first international guest, but Kirsten and Haley definitely aren't in the uh, US. They don't count. They're part of North America. 
<laughs> I guess uh, Australia is a little farther. Um, all right. So, yeah, that's that's what's going on with Santana. She has, uh, you know, really found within herself something that she forgot about over the years, but it's really like emerging again. And she's happy to hold on to this and carry it forward with her. So uh, we'll see more from her, of course, in future episodes. But for now, we're going to close things out with the New Directions doing their acapella number that Will wanted them to do. It is going to be a performance of Longest Time by all the New Directions. Uh, you get some Artie in there, Kitty Ryder, um, specifically with some lead vocals. But I mean, there's a lot of them uh, all throughout the number. Uh, I notice, of course, throughout this number that Kitty is uh, is definitely paid attention to by the camera a lot. I think as she's kind of specifically watching Ryder or just is she just watching everybody? I don't really know. But Ryder. yeah, it's uh, Ryder, right? Ryder, yeah. Yeah, so she's definitely keeping an eye closely on him. I was, I was like, maybe she's like looking out for like signs of other people looking at Ryder. Um, I wasn't too sure, but yeah, so she's keeping an eye out for Ryder in this final number here. Sam, you like this uh, longest time number? For the long, who's hitting those low notes? That's what I wanted to know. Like the really low Jake, ones. Maybe? I don't know. Jake, maybe. I, I don't know. I thought the song was great. It was, it was, <laughs> it was very warbler esque. That's what I put in my notes. <laughs> Just, like, the acapella of it. I loved it. Um, Also, I just think, like, the talent is, like, immeasurable in this group, especially with Kitty and Jake. Like, I know they're both Broadway actors, and they're, like, very trained, but they're just, like, so talented. Also, I couldn't help but notice that they were only running with 10 of their members, because who is Joe and who is Sugar? They only need 12 when it comes to a competition. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Story of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we don't know where they are. We don't know when they're coming back. Well, we do know when they're coming back, but we don't know why they are gone, but they are gone. And yeah, uh, Aman, any thoughts on this closing number? I live for Marley just being in this song only for the time. <laughs> <laughs> that feels true to her character. Like, That's my solo, and I am going to sing it <laughs> with as much gusto as possible each and every time. Yeah, I like this number. I think it's really cute. All right. Well, that's that's the closing of uh, the episode itself. Will's going to clap for them. And uh, that's it for this week for for lights out. But of course, that's not it for us, because we got to talk a little bit more about the episode, specifically about our favorite songs to kick us off. So, Aman, let's run back down those songs. Okay, you've lost that love and feeling, Sam and the New Directions. Everybody hurts. Ryder. We will rock you. New Directions. Little Girls, Sue Sylvester, At the Ballet, Isabel, Kurt, Rachel, and Santana. Longest time, New Directions. All right, Sam, I feel like I can answer for you, but uh, let's make it official. What is your favorite song from this episode? At the Ballet. I loved it. I, it's, just, it's just so good, and uh, I think it is a good uh, send-off for Isabel's character, now that we know we don't see her again. Yeah. Could not disagree with that. Uh, they all sound beautiful on there. Aman, is that uh, also yours, or you go in a different direction? Um, I almost got pulled in by Little Girls the same for Longest Time, but I think I wouldn't be completely honest if I just didn't go with At the Ballet, for all the reasons that I said before. Um, I agree with the point of it being a good send-off for Isabel. And I, like I said for about Santana, I, just, I think it's a really great moment for her character moving forward. So, at the ballet, bitch. 
Um, I thought it was a really good number. At the Ballet is definitely really good. Um, I, I mean, sorry guys, I don't know a chorus line, um, so I don't know this song particularly well. And it's, you know, one of the slower Glee songs that I tend to not jam out to in the car. Um, but they all sound amazing on it. It's definitely the best number of this episode, I would uh, I agree. But I think my favorite number of the episode is the crowd pleaser. Uh, I got to give it to We Will Rock You. Uh, Little Girls also made a run for it, but We Will Rock You is uh, good. I really like the way that Artie and Ryder both sound on that one. And uh, it's got good replayability. So that's where I'm going with that one. So fair. I just noticed that the um, the Wikipedia... The Wikipedia uh, image for this episode is Blaine in his Nightbird costume, like, inside Sue's office. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? So I went and I looked to see um, any, like, uh, deleted scenes, and apparently there is supposed to be a Blaine as Nightbird investigating Sue slash Ross's office that got cut from this. So... What is he looking yeah. for? Is he looking for bullet holes? Is he look like he's he looking for clues as to why Sue left? Like, and I wonder if he actually did find anything. And also something that I found was in the extended there's an extended Sue fitness scene where Blaine is disappointed to find out that the guy in the orange shirt was flirting with a girl and not him. Oh <laughs> so no! They they were planning on making that go somewhere, and when I say go somewhere, go nowhere. <laughs> so, oh man. There's apparently also some deleted Finn scenes as well. Yeah, yeah. There was. Uh, we, we talked in the last episode about how that was obviously going to be Finn's last episode. Once he did uh, enter rehab, they uh, he had a couple of other scenes filmed for the you know coming episodes of season four, which you know we're starting at now. But they did end up uh, cutting him out when he was not able to continue the season. So, yeah, sadly we don't get to see those. Um, but yeah, the Nightbird scene, I would I would have loved to watch that. So that would, uh, that's that's sad it got cut, but. What are you going to do? Um, so I guess we'll uh, give our slushy ratings without those deleted scenes since we didn't get to see them. Um, Sam, you're familiar with the slushy rating system? It's, it's a hard, I feel like it's a hard episode to slushy just due to its content alone. I feel like I'd give it like 2.5 slushies. Yeah, right down the middle on this one. Right in the middle. Not Nothing, uh, nothing too uh, outstanding, not bad. Right in the middle. No, and I feel like I would delete all the catfish content yeah so that's where the uh yeah that's where some bonus points get taken off um aman what do you got um definitely another filler-ish episode i mean we do get a little progression in terms of like the writer thing of it all but that's pretty much the only thing that moves forward we do get santana like getting some introspection in this episode which i guess counts as well but like nothing major happens in this episode which i don't always dislike I don't you don't always need every episode to be like slice of life episodes can be really good I just don't know if this one is I do like the songs a lot in this episode too and some of the moments that we do get with the characters is nice so I mean I kind of feel I feel a little bit better about this one than I do about the previous one um sweet dreams Ugh, I don't know actually I kind of feel the same <laughs> I'm gonna give it 1.5 this is a, this is a really weird part of the season it's kind of hard to like gauge how I really feel because it's just it's so strange. Like it's not bad, but it's not spectacular either. No, it's but it's nowhere near like outstandingly. It's not you know like top tier. You must watch this. Like it's definitely worth watching. I I wouldn't recommend anyone just skip right on past it. But this isn't you know showcased like the best Glee has to offer. 
Um, I feel the same way that Aman does, where I feel pretty much on par with the last episode. So Aman gave uh, a one and a half slushies to the last episode and this one. So I'm going to do the same. I gave, well, not with that rating. I gave two slushies to the last one. I'm also going to give two slushies to this one. So we're all pretty much in the same ballpark of it was an okay episode. You know, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. So uh, pretty fair ratings, I believe, on that end. And, of course, we'll finish this off with some gold stars to uh, any character that, Sam, you feel like deserves a gold star for anything at all in this episode. you have an idea of where you're going to go with it? Oh, yeah. Do I just get one or can I give one and an honorary one? You get one. Don't get greedy. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, the honorary one would have been Blaine's hair without gel in. But, <laughs> I can't stand um... I think honorary goes to Becky Jackson because she just had some great scenes in this episode. And any time that they treat Becky as a three-dimensional human with feelings, I think she deserves a gold star. Becky Jackson with a gold star from Sam. Um, what are you thinking, Aman? What do you got? You know, um, I mean, there's a good, there's a lot of good picks in here. I think that it's the episode is sort of begging me to give one to Ryder considering what he's been through. Um, but it kind of comes off as like a sympathy gold star. But it, he was strong for admitting it. But I'm not really drawn to him this episode, so that'd be disingenuous. I think I'm going to go a little bit out of the ordinary once again and give it to Isabel. It's mm, a good pick. I mean, you could give it to Santana for the the journey that she goes on in this episode. But I like that Isabel was sort of able to prod her in that direction because while while Kurt and Rachel were trying to do the same thing, they lacked sort of like a tact and a generosity that Isabel had. And I don't know if we were supposed to take at the ballet as sort of like the backstory for Isabel. Um, I mean, if it, it would fit. It seems like it, you know, she, she didn't just come from nothing or you, she come out of thin air, you know what I mean? So... I sort of liked that sort of insight into her character as well. And, you know, it's her last episode, and I do enjoy Isabel as a character, even though she doesn't have a lot of material. Um, I just thought that she did a really good job with At the Ballet, and I loved how kind she was to not only Santana, but to all three of them. I mean, she's helped all three at this point. She helped out Kurt by giving him the internship. She helped Rachel with the makeover, and she's helped Rachel, or, um, Santana, you know, t- inspired her to go back into ballet. So, Isabel right. All right. Yeah, I like it. I uh, I got that Brody one in there at the end of uh, his run and Isabel gets one at the end of her run. I think that sounds pretty good. Um, I think I have to go in the same direction that Sam went in because I've for the longest time uh, needed to get this Becky gold for star the off my chest time. for the longest time. I need to get this Becky gold star off my chest of just I I talked about in like the first episode of this podcast, like the pre- preview podcast about how much I love Becky. And I still through four seasons now have not been able to get her a gold star because there just always seems to be another option in those episodes where you think you can give it to her. And that's the same instance here. I had Becky on my mind and I had Kitty on my mind. Uh, Kitty, I thought, had a really good episode, really becoming uh, like a, a character that you can get behind. That's not just this cruel, like vicious person like she opened up to rider and in a time where all the other kids were not being very kind to him uh, or not all of them but you know he was getting some rough treatment from everybody else Um, Kitty comes in and you know tries to make him feel a little bit better about it I appreciate that and then you know she's just more vulnerable in this episode than I think we have seen before 
but um, I know that Kitty's going to be around, you know, she, she's definitely more consistent through the story. I'm sure I'll get her eventually, but I really need to get this Becky Gold star, and it's been eating at me. Um, Becky, for all the reasons that Sam just said, she is uh, she's just a shining star, and any time that they, like uh, again, like Sam said, uh, give her more room to grow and show, like, you know, uh, show her being like a full person with emotions and with this and that. So um, I love that. I love that Becky uh, got all that time in with Roz in this episode. That all put like the biggest smile on my face. I was hysterically laughing at the Roz and Becky scene where Roz was calling her Robin Sylvester and just that whole thing. I, I lost it. So that was good. And that's where my gold star is going to go. And that is all we have, right? Anything else, Amon? I think that's it. That's like, Becky's gotten some love, right? Because, I mean, I think Adam also gave Becky a gold star during his episode. Sam just gave her one. You just gave her one. I know I've given her at least one last season. So she's yep. she's getting her just too. I like that. What? Good. You know, we love Becky. We do love Becky. Yeah, she's gotten gold stars from, like you said, you and Adam in the last season. But it was never me that gave her one. So that's why I, I needed to uh, to get that to get that taken care of. Becky is fantastic. Speaking of Becky, one quick note that I'm just not thinking of that I don't think we talked about during the I Do episode. So, was Becky supposed to be the flower girl? Because when she walked down the aisle and started throwing flowers in everybody's face, Mr. Shu didn't react. So, because a piece of me was like, oh, she's just doing it because she's there for Sue, because Sue is about to crash the wedding. But nobody reacted. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, Becky's the flower girl. So I was like... Whose idea was that? Shoes or Emma's to make her the flower girl for their wedding? Because I would have never have pegged them to ever do something like that. Well, Will and Emma have no friends outside of their high school students and coworkers, so <laughs> it was limited choices. Yeah, it was either Coach Beast or Becky. It could have been one of the Glee girls. Uh, I guess so. Um, but, you know, they were all off planning. Uh, Brittany was with Sam, and then Quinn and Santana were uh, with each other. They were a little busy. Becky was a perfect choice. Well... I think that is it, like you said before. Make sure that you are following us at Quiet Room Pod. You can follow us individually. I'm Adam on Adwin. Matt is at Matt Ligori. And Sam, where can people find you? Um, I'm on everything uh, at Sam Leverage with two M's in Sam for some reason. For some reason. Sam. What's Sam the reason? Leverage. Sam Leverage was taken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could answer that. I just wanted to keep us all talking a little longer today. <laughs> all right. So, yes, uh, follow Sam. Sam, thank you for coming on. Uh, any final Glee thoughts before we get out of here about uh, the rest of this season? If, if you want to, uh, you know, if anybody wants to jump ahead, if Sam's going to spoil us, uh, anything at all that you want to get off your chest while you're here? You know, I really like the new kids. I don't remember liking Marley and Jake and Kitty as much as um, I do on this rewatch. I, I, I think they actually did give them well not Ryder Ryder's garbage but the other three I feel like they did give them the time and attention that they deserved so mm-hmm. it's, it's been uh, it's been nice seeing the back half yeah and how far are you at this uh, moment in time into season five I'm 511 at this point I think oh season I think you're five, right before uh, Glee 100 yes I think that's yeah, I haven't your next Glee episode yet. 
All right. Well, I'm so excited for that. Um, our excitement for season five is going to start building up as well, because I think the uh, point is that we just like this show. Everybody's like, you guys like these seasons? Yeah, we like the whole show. Uh, that's why we're podcasting about it. So uh, mm-hmm. thanks again, Sam, for coming on. Hopefully we'll get a chance to get you back in here before we're all done, even though the time is limited. But we'll, uh, you know, we're trying to get everybody back in. So hopefully we can make that work. Everybody, make sure you guys uh, follow Sam on social media. Let him know what you thought about this episode, about uh, any takes that he might have had that you loved or hated. We all love to get any of the feedback. And uh, yeah, that's all that I have. That's all we have, Aman. So I guess uh, I guess it's time to say goodbye. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we'll see you along with Joe and Sugar at Regionals. <laughs> <laughs>